Hey everyone and welcome back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. My name is Lena Abajamra and I'm your host. As usual, it's so good to have you back. If it's your first time here, welcome. If we've met before, I hope it was a great encounter. And if we haven't, I hope we meet soon. Hey, we're here to talk biblical truth for everyday life. My goal of this particular series, which is an open-ended series we're in right now, is to restore hope for the Christian living in a post-Christian world. Listen, by post-Christian, in case you're wondering, I mean a society that no longer holds to the principles and moorings of uh, what we used to hold in the Bible and the Judeo-Christian beliefs. Now we're living in a culture where people are, by and large, biblically illiterate, unfamiliar with the Christian faith, and angered sometimes by Christian doctrine. So many of the topics we've talked about here are are topics that come up in our day-to-day life, and uh, it behooves us to have a biblical answer to the questions that come up. And so my goal is to provide you uh, simple reasoning and a way of thinking about uh, difficult concepts, and I hope you're finding it helpful. This series is really one of my favorites. I've called it Dear Lena, and, and you can literally ask me any questions and send me an email about the questions on your mind regarding faith, God, culture, and anything in between. You can throw in the kitchen sink. I'll try to answer it. Um, I'm an ER doctor by by training and uh, have spent the past 20 years practicing medicine. And uh, my goal is usually to fix people's problems. And in this podcast, it's not so much about fixing problems, but about finding answers in God's word. And so uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, go ahead and do it. Uh, I'd love for you to be a regular listener and leave us a review if it's a good one. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. But you can leave it even if it's a bad one. I'll, I'll survive. And, um, and, and for today, we're going to hit our question in a minute. And uh, as we do that, just keep in mind that I answer in three big ideas or three big bullet points that f- provide a framework to a way of thinking about the concept that we're talking about. I don't always give you every single answer detail about that topic. That is not my goal here, but it is to come up with a way of thinking about the topics that drive us to know more about it and to dig deep into God's word, but also to think lovingly through how to present truth in a world that may be resistant to it. So with that in mind, let me give you today's question. A listener sent me this one in. Dear Lena, why are so many Christians today struggling with anxiety and depression? Oh man, that's a great question. I, uh, I would say not just Christians, but generally our society is seeing rates of anxiety and depression more than they've ever had before. I see it in my practice. Not a shift goes by where I don't get multiple uh, calls now. I practice telemedicine where I don't get multiple calls from people who need uh, renewal on their medications. I, I, I'm just exaggerating, but I would be remiss to say maybe one out of four or five patients is on some antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. And it seems to be a lot more than we used to have. In fact, um, uh, some of it is awareness and, and, and we're talking about it more. People are more open about their struggles, which is a good thing. But, uh, but in the church, there's a trend too, to see that there are more Christians uh, than ever struggling with anxiety and depression. And so, um, by the way, if that's you today and you're struggling with anxiety and depression, our, my prayers and my heart is with you and goes to you. I, I really believe this is a difficult struggle and often a lifelong struggle. Let me remind you that you are not alone. In fact, God's word is full of examples of men and women who struggled with, with their emotions and with, um, come, you know, you might think, well, this is a modern thing. Well, no, uh, let me just name you some names that might be familiar to you. David um, spent multiple Psalms where he wrote about his despair and his, um, his discouragement. I don't know that he is necessarily the poster child for this. There are, there are others that may be more reflective of it. Like for example, Elijah in first Kings 19, Elijah, uh, gets near suicidal. I mean, he wishes he was dead. He's, he's not the only one. Moses at one point, um, asked God to take his life because he was burdened by the weight of his circumstances. Um, there's Naomi, 
who changed her name to Bitter because she was so weighed down by the, the, the tragic events of her life. She lost her husband and then her two sons and came home just in despair. There's Jonah. Uh, also asked for his life to end. Of course, he had some resentment issues, but still, uh, I would say, went through some of this anxiety and depression type, what would we call that now. Job fell under the weight of his burdens. There's, of course, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And and uh, interestingly, uh, I, I read one commentary who puts Jesus in the group, and I would agree that that the weight of, I don't know, I would say Jesus was depressed. I wouldn't say that, but but certainly struggled with his emotions at Gethsemane. Uh, very deep, very deep struggle there. And so uh, you are not alone, and I think that should encourage you. Now, let me remember, I'm going to give you three uh, sort of conversation points, um, sort of thought processes about this. Why are so many Christians struggling with anxiety and depression? Here, here's the first thought. Just because you're a Christian does not make you immune to pain and suffering. All right? Um, I think that's that's essential. Just because you're a Christian does not make you immune to pain and suffering. There, there is this like sort of Pollyanna... Um, lie that 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 is sometimes propagated in certain Christian circles, where the idea that anybody would suffer is, in fact, by the way, Job went through that a bit, where his friends showed up, and when he was going through immense suffering, their immediate response was, "You might have, you might have sinned. That must be the reason for your suffering." And so there's sort of this resentment in Christian circles to suffering outside of sin, right? I mean. It's almost like, well, if you're a good person and if you're following the Lord and if you've repented of your sin, then you shouldn't suffer, which is completely in opposition to God's word. Everything in God's word shows that many were um, following the Lord very faithfully and continued to suffer. In fact, Paul and James, and Paul in Romans 5, James and James chapter 1, talk about the fruit of suffering. And, and Jesus himself says, in this world, you will have tribulation. So just because you're a Christian does not mean you're not going to suffer. And, and truly, anxiety and depression is a form of suffering. Now, you might say, well, it's a chemical imbalance. It's a, you know, again, I don't necessarily want to get into all of that. Yes, there is a chemical imbalance. Uh, yes, their emotions are involved. But uh, I think we would all agree that if you struggle with anxiety or depression, that is a form of heavy suffering. And just because you gave your life to Jesus doesn't mean that all automatically, boom, you're never going to have that again. People have diabetes who are Christians, people have cancer who are Christians, and people who are Christians suffer of anxiety and depression. So today there's an increased awareness, uh, which I believe leads to this prevalence of anxiety and depression, both in the church and outside of the church. There's an annual mental health day. There's many pastors who have gone through some very significant issues with a couple of famous pastors come to mind in the past year. Uh, I can think of three names right off the bat of pastors who are very well known who ended up uh, killing themselves and it was a result of struggle with depression and, uh, and, and just sad and tragic, but a reality, you know, that people used to say, well, is suicide the, the unpardonable sin? No, no, no. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the unpardonable sin. But, it, you know, as, as hard and as painful as, as this illness can get to, uh, when a person who's str struggling with depression in particular ends up suicidal and maybe ends up going through suicide, I believe God's grace still covers that. Let me say that clearly. Um, this is a hard, hard battle, but there's today more and more awareness of it and more and more fight in it. And I think that may be part of why we're seeing more people talk about it, which is a good thing. Yet, yet, there is a persistent stigma around anxiety and depression. You still get a sense, despite the more awareness that we have, despite the higher numbers of people with anxiety and depression, there's still a stigma where you don't want people to know if you're struggling with it. There's sort of a hide your struggle, you know, sort of don't let anybody know. And, and I think that's tragic. I and mean, I think that feeds this beast 
that so many people are, are struggling with right now. Again, some of that has been alleviated in the past maybe five to 10 years, but still a lot of uh, stigma in that. Or the other side of it, you see a lot of high schoolers, I see a pattern where it becomes their identity. And so they almost revel in it. Neither extreme is healthy. And so there is a disagreement. The reality is, as we, why it was that question interesting from a perspective of Dear Lena, well, there is a disagreement in the Christian communities as to the root cause of anxiety and depression. You've got on one end people who say, hey, it's all rooted in sin. Jesus is enough. You shouldn't be fighting with this. It's an emotional problem. And then you've got the other extreme, which is like, it's all medical. You just pop a pill and you'll be okay. Listen, I am somewhere in between. I believe that there's certainly some chemical factors, although you cannot measure them. There's certainly some genetic predispositions, life circumstances, some real emotional stuff, past woundedness that play a part into this anxiety and depression. But, you know, again, there's, there's, uh, there's certainly depression and anxiety could be a result of sin, but certainly not. Um, in the context that we're talking to, I'm talking about more of this ongoing depression and anxiety in, in people where you have tried everything you can. You've tried reading the Bible. You've tried reading, memorizing scripture. You've tried journaling, and you're still stuck in sort of a bit of anxiety and depression. So there is a disagreement, and I think it's important to note that. And, uh, and, and I would venture to guess that each side has good, you know, support as to why they think their side is right. And, uh, you know, again, I don't want to get caught up with, with who's right, but, but first point here is just because you're a Christian does not make you immune to pain and suffering. Here's a second big idea. Just because you're a Christian does not make you well-connected to other people. Now, I, I don't want to simplify anxiety and depression as being, well, that is uh, worse because of our disconnectedness. And yet, you cannot ignore that since 2000 and what is it, seven, I believe, when the iPhone, uh, you know, came to, you know, that was the first iPhone was dropped and Facebook came out uh, 2007. That was not that long ago, 13 years ago. In the last decade, there's no question that the, uh, the, we think we're connected. We've got this like medium that makes us think we're connected, but we're more disconnected than ever. We are living in an age of disconnection where intimacy is lacking. And, and I don't have a question that this lack of intimate connectivity, fellowship, you want to call it, if you want to use a Christian word, I have no question that that is contributing to the disconnection that people feel and ultimately feeding this anxiety and depression in people, both anxiety and depression. As a doctor, I would tell you this, I have 100% seen an interaction between the, the increased use of social media, especially those mediums where you think you're connected to people, but this deepening disconnection that leads to lack of intimacy. And because we're spending so much more time on, on, on electronics, we have less time to invest in real life relationships. And we have more time to look at all of these other people who are living their lives, thinking that they have what we don't have and on and on and on. So this issue of connectedness, I really would highlight as one of the reasons why so many Christians and non-Christians are struggling today with anxiety and depression where they might have still had a struggle before, but not to the numbers that we're seeing right now. Because I really think that, that, that we are seeing a, a huge increase in that. And I think it would be naive not to make a connection between those two things. We are living in an age, not just of disconnection, but of secrecy, where sin thrives and darkness encroaches. Now, I, I do believe that the more we live in this, you know, we're on this medium that no one can see what you're doing. And, and this is maybe not the cause, but this is a fruit. So the more deeply you struggle with anxiety and depression, even some symptoms of it, it might not need to be, you know, you might be, think of anxiety and depression as a spectrum, you know, and on one end is like severe, you know, sort of, you know, you can't survive without medicine spectrum to the other side, which is, you know, it comes and goes. 
you know, it's sort of like it, you struggle with it certain times of year. Maybe you live in a cold, dark area like I do in Chicago, and maybe you go through it in the winter. And but 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 there is something that happens where where through this phone we often will numb our pain. And not just the phone, by the way. We do it. We numb our pain in life with foods, with what I'm going to use a general word: idols. And I say idols in that we find our temporary satisfaction in those means, be it food or drugs or drink or sex or or whatever fantasy life, video games. You can go down the path of, of a bucket of things that we, um, we 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 turn to in order to try to alleviate even any minor bit of anxiety or depression. Okay, and and the advent of the phone and why I want to make this connection with this connection, lack of intimacy, is there's such secrecy there, which makes sin thrive, so that we are freer. And I've seen it in my own life where I have more freedom to sin without anybody finding out. Now we know if you've watched the social disaster, whatever, whatever that movie that they made recently on the social impact or the social, I don't remember the title of the movie, but basically talking about there's nothing secretive. And though we all kind of know that intellectually, we all still live under this facade of thinking that what I do on the internet is secret. My point with it, secrecy is only to say this, because no one sees how you're responding to the difficult circumstances in your life and to your anxiety and depression, you can for a while numb your symptoms and, and self-treat, self-medicate with uh, sinful behaviors that causes more darkness to encroach. So what might start off as a little problem grows into a big problem because you are dealing with it with a way that is unhealthy. And so now you've, you're disconnected, you've got the secrecy area, and then we're living in an age we're still under point number two. Just because you're a Christian does not make you well connected to other people. This brings in, again, the disconnection, the secrecy, and then we're living in an age of easy fixes that miss the root of the problem. Listen, if you struggle with anxiety and depression to any way, you gotta at some point step out of denial and face up to the fact that, man, I am struggling on the, the burden of circumstances. Maybe you never had that before. I sometimes see people with adult acne and they'll say, man, I never had a zit in my teenage years. And I'm like, dude, but you do now. And that doesn't make it better or worse. Like the fact is though, there's some diseases that can pop up at some point and it might be a lot of reasons that have led to that. And I certainly think that there's a lot of, um, uh, work that can be done with counselors that get to the root of where you ended and how you ended where you are. And then, you know, whether, whether you end up being a candidate for medication or not, again, that's a different discussion. I'll table that for now. Let me give you the third big idea. So let me kind of first summarize to bring us all back to the same page. Why are so many Christians struggling with anxiety and depression? Number one, just because you're a Christian does not make you immune to pain and suffering. Number two, just because you're a Christian does not make you well connected to other people. And lastly, just because you're a Christian does not automatically make you a giant of faith. All right. Our faith starts as little as a mustard seed and it grows in time. But this battle for more faith is a lifelong battle in the Christian life called sanctification. So the, the, the reality is, and again, I've seen this in my own life. Many Christians live like we are functioning atheists. Though we trust God with our salvation, we are not trusting him with our day-to-day problems. Now that doesn't mean, again, I'm not oversimplifying. If you have been diagnosed with depression, you're on medications and you're hearing, well, she's just saying I don't pray enough. No, I'm not saying that. But I do also think the other side of it, you can't deny that most of us spend days, weeks without thinking about God, except for those 10 seconds before a meal where we might pray. And even then our minds drift or that 40 minute sermon that we might get once a week, which with COVID has gotten probably lower and lower because nobody wants to spend that many minutes on the computer watching a sermon and on and on. So many of us live like functioning atheists, which does not help. Many Christians have forgotten who God is. That is what being a functioning atheist is. And then many Christians have missed the fact that you can have faith and still seek help. 
All right. I, I really want to kind of harp on that. Uh, I am not ashamed of help. In fact, I've gone to counseling in my life. I still go to counseling. And so uh, uh, that is a fact. I've written about it in my new book that comes out next year. I find it immensely helpful and I find it um, that has helped me work through. I tend to be, my personality tends to be on the melancholic side. And so I tend to sort of go into an Eeyore negativity mode, which in the spectrum of anxiety and depression, you could say, well, you, maybe she has a little bit of that. And, 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 and again, never diagnosed it. But but the reality, again, I'm speaking to you very openly in that these are issues that we all need to struggle through. And I have had to do heavy work to say, what has led to that? What patterns of wrong thinking? What patterns of ignoring my hurts that have led to me numbing those things that are painful in my life? And so um, if you're struggling with any level, if on a scale of one to 10, I don't care if you're a 0.1 to a 10 of anxiety and depression, get help, get help, get help help. There's help. In fact, email me at dearlina at livingwithpower.org, not with a question, but just say, I need help. And we'll try to find you referrals of people that you can see. And uh, secondly, uh, grab on to grace. Grab on to grace. God is grace. He gives you himself. He loves you. Listen, he loves you despite who you are. He loves you, whether you ever change or not. He loves you. He wants you. And that is grace. And it's awesome. And grace is the only thing that will drive us to want to change. And then, uh, spend some time in the Psalms. I was going to try to think of another G word, but I can't, maybe you guys can. So get help, uh, grab onto grace and, uh, read the Psalms. Uh, I love the Psalms, a great Psalm, a great Psalm for you to meditate on today would be Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Uh, by the way, I've got in the podcast, if you look in the archives, uh, a message called Unshaken. Uh, when I'm struggling with depression, I think it is a message on Elijah in 1 Kings 19. I would encourage you, or I think it's fearless when I'm, when I'm depressed. Uh, Irina, my assistant who's, uh, who is in charge of getting all this stuff out, I think she'll get a link in the podcast notes for that. That might bless you too. But spend time in the Psalms, Psalms 42, Psalms 46, Psalms 40. There's plenty of them, but focus on Psalm 42. Simplify your life, focus on that. Ask God's word to wash over you as you do that. And then remember, if you need to reach out, do it today to us, dearlina at livingwithpower.org. And in the meantime, know that we are praying for you. We un- I understand the battle. I know this is an ongoing. Sometimes it'll feel like you'll never get out of it. Listen, God is still in control. He sees you. He loves you. He has a plan for you in it, just like he did Elijah, Naomi, Jonah, Job, Moses, Jeremiah, and his son, Jesus. Listen, that God works in mysterious ways. And, uh, Uh, There are many men and women who have contributed greatly to the kingdom of God who have lived through their own struggle with depression and anxiety and other uh, mental health issues. So uh, know that you are loved. Uh, Again, I'm going to end this podcast with, if you have a question about anything, send it to me at dearlina at livingwithpower.org. And as usual, stop at livingwithpower.org, our website, join our community. We meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. live where I teach on the Facebook. And uh, anyway, you'll find all sorts of things. So have a great day. Uh, Love you guys. More importantly, God loves you and he'll never stop.